Like, that's a very exceptional case where instead of wanting to be put in the ground, he wants to be on display. Like, there's no way to present facts, even in the documentary, in an unbiased fashion. And oftentimes when you try and counter your own bias, you'll overcorrect. If this was a dress that was her prized possession and her, it was passed down through generations and every night before she went to bed, she looked at it and like stroked it. I don't know. <laughs> Harry Potter counts as a biopic. Can you, can you have fictional biopics? Okay, well, anyway, back to your main question. What was the question? Welcome to another episode of Coming In Without Context. I'm the host, Hope Stolsteimer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dylan Yang. Say hello. No. Great. <laughs> um, <laughs> hello. <so> I, <laughs> too late. <laughs> I thought I would start us out with like a brief introduction to my topic. Ooh. Oh. Um, I don't know how good it will be because I didn't write it out. Oh, she's gone. There was well, a she ghost. Left, she's left. She left before I introduced it. So, um. Anyways, um, a few days ago, I watched the biopic Elvis, starring us Austin Butler. You mean yesterday? They don't need to know that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> and. I've seen other biopics before. I think we live in the era of biopics. They're everywhere. We can't avoid them. They win a lot of awards. Um, the most memorable one that comes to mind is Bohemian Rhapsody, starring Rami Malek, about Freddie Mercury. But there's been ones about everybody, like uh, Johnny Cash. Elton John. On- huh? Rocket Man. Oh, yeah. Elton John. I did see that one, too. Whitney, Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston, Marilyn Monroe. Um, Amy Winehouse. Yep, the gambit goes on, okay? They, they exist. Means gambit. Okay. <laughs> um, and so what I was thinking about is a lot of these biopics have a lot of controversy surrounding them. For example, in the Elvis biopic that I just watched, um, one of the controversies was not really being nuanced about Elvis's life, kind of offering a very flat view of it. Um, another controversy was kind of showing Black artists who had positive viewpoints of him essentially stealing their music um, and not the negative ones that also existed as he was performing and which continue to exist today because he got uh, much wider acclaim while using a lot of music and lyrics from originally Black artists who did not get the same amount of acclaim. And I think there were other things that I'm not remembering off the top of my head. I know with the Marilyn Monroe biopic that came out this year, there was a lot of controversy about it not being based on facts and instead being based off a book written by a man who kind of just like made it a male fantasy about Marilyn Monroe. There was also a scene where an aborted baby talks to her in her stomach when apparently she never had an abortion or if she did, um, it's not confirmed. And things like that. And so my question is, what do we owe celebrities to their legacy, to how we view them after they pass away? Do you have any initial thoughts? Well, first off, while you were giving the intro, the the first thing I thought about was how I feel like some biopics 
are like they aim to be historical, right? Yeah. And those are usually about figures like MLK or Gandhi, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But then some biopics are just fan service almost. So like a lot of the musical ones are just, you know, the people who grew up listening to that music and love that music are now in a position where they can create biopics about those people. And so it's yeah. a lot of like, oh, we're just going to relive all of their cr musical creations, their best hits, and we're going to like romanticize the process, right? Because it's, it's supposed to be like, it's supposed to be servicing the fans. That's the point. It's not, it, they don't necessarily set out to be 100% accurate because usually life is not that interesting. Um, there's a, the new one. The, that was in the news or being marketed like the Weird Al Yankovic biopic <laughs> starring Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. Th they've published, like they, they, they're marketing the fact that it's not factual, that mm -hmm. it's like most of it is just made up because um, Weird Al said in, in an interview or something that his life isn't actually that interesting. So he wants the movie to be more fantastical than his actual life. Yeah. I feel like I want to, point out one thing that's different about movies like Weird Al Yankovic or Rocket Man is that the stars of these movies are still alive and can have that creative input into right. how their lives are portrayed, which yeah. doesn't exist for stars that have already passed away and these biopics are now coming out. So I think that's one thing we should think about when we're discussing the differences in these films. Now I'm wondering if um, Harry Potter counts as a biopic. No. Can, you, can you have fictional biopics? No. Okay, well, anyway, back to your main question. What was the question? What do we owe to celebrities and their legacy after they die? Okay. Especially when it comes to portraying them. So I feel like my initial thoughts are... <laughs> I said in the previous episode that I don't feel like we owe anything to anyone. But <laughs> there's like... In terms of legal stuff, you're not allowed to just make up inaccurate facts or misinformation about people, right? Like, that's libel, that's slander, and that's that's a crime, right? Yeah. So similarly, even if a person's dead, you would assume that that is still not morally okay, especially if you're profiting off of those lies about their life or about their character, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I, I would assume the argument in response to this is that, oh, no, we're actually glorifying their lives, right? Like, they we're making their lives better than they actually were. But I feel like that's still, you know, that's still lying, right? Yeah. It's still kind of against the integrity of what you're selling, what you're marketing, what you're promoting versus the truth. And that's still that's still wrong, in my view. But I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we actually owe the celebrities anything because I feel like what we might owe a celebrity is the same rights slash respect that we owe any individual after they've passed away. The only difference is that more people might be invested in a celebrity's passing. So, would you agree that we owe it to them to be truthful? about their lives um 
I don't think, okay, here's what I'm going to say. I don't think we owe the celebrity. I think whoever is making the biopic owes it to their audience to not outright lie or at least disclose the fact that what they're making is not 100% factual. Mm -hmm. Because to me, I think this is more an issue about consumer and creator, the dynamic of what is like the because it's it's a monetary relationship essentially yeah um i think there's been a lot of controversy in the news recently unrelated to biopics about just internet celebrities or content creators uh, or companies even investing in nfts and bitcoin etc right and then their audience and their fans especially will buy into that and then they'll get completely dumped and they'll lose like a lot of money and that's an issue because the creators are abusing their power over their fans and their audience. So I think similarly, although it might not be one-to-one, I think the issue here is the creators of the biopics not holding the truth out to their audiences 100%. And obviously that's, that's complicated because there's like a lot of marketing that goes behind it. It's a whole team, not necessarily an individual doing that. Um, so it's hard to like hold people responsible or attribute blame. Um, and then also there's the issue of people not getting information from the same sources. So some people might hear one thing and other people might hear a different thing. And so they might believe different things. But yeah, I, I think I would just personally reposition where the issue is, not necessarily in owing the celebrities, but in what we owe to consumers and audiences. Okay. What do you think, Hope? I think we do owe it to be truthful to not only the audience, but also to the celebrity. And I think the owing it to the audience is a really good point to make when it comes to the glorification of a celebrity, because people have the tendency to idolize someone. And I think in situations where a celebrity should not be idolized, should be brought to light, or at least there should be a nuanced view of that celebrity that the audience is able to see where it's not just someone who's a glorified, like, not who they actually were. I feel like in a biopic, you shouldn't just make it about someone who's supposed to be, like, all that and there's nothing wrong or what's wrong is, like, not that big a deal. Like, I feel like you should be able to show a nuanced person. And I think that's what fails to happen in a lot of these biopics especially after they pass away. I have another question. Oh, Wait, sorry. Hold, hold that question okay. because I feel like that's very difficult to show nuance, especially in films as a medium because... I would disagree with that, but continue. Like films, the goal of films is to make money. <laughs> so at the end of the day, it's a, it's a product of capitalism and even if the creators have different intentions from the studio you can't deny that it is a product that's being distributed for money and so like if you think about bohemian rhapsody they do show that um freddie mercury had issues with drug abuse and um like partying too much etc but it's only like a very brief portion of the movie. Um, and how the movie's structured, he obviously 
gets redeemed in the end, right? He's supposed to be almost a tragic hero who recovers, right? Um, and that's just that's just because you know, again, it goes back to the fan service thing. But I feel like you're not gonna get a nuanced treatment of these people in film biopics period because that's like it's almost like genre convention that we expect documentaries to do that work instead and documentaries tend to tend to show people in negative light so it's almost like documentaries are for the villains right the famous villain celebrities and biopics are for the hero celebrities and there's no in between but so my viewpoint was would be that there should be an in between yeah, sure. Um, and I, I disagree with the fact that documentaries only show the villain celebrities because one example I can think of is like Mr. Rogers has a documentary out uh, there and he is not portrayed in a negative light in it. And there's definitely other celebrities that probably have documentaries that are not portrayed in a negative light but are trying to be truthful. I think for me personally, <laughs> those ones are not as interesting. But I don't watch that many documentaries. So I'm just speaking... Um, <laughs> hypothetically but like like you want you know you you dot you go to documentaries to learn something right but then if it's just completely like 100 straight fact monotone right that's the boring yeah you know, but science. facts don't have to be monotone i think that's it's- but then but then he, that's the tricky part because if you don't if you don't treat the facts in a monotone way then suddenly the nuance becomes it if there is nuance it's tinted in a different color right because now it's about the creator of the documentary giving you the facts in a very specific way in it that is biased in whatever degree but even trying to present facts in an unbiased fashion you can't do that like, there's no way to present facts, even in the documentary, in an unbiased fashion. And oftentimes, when you try and counter your own bias, you'll overcorrect. So I think I would disagree that there's a way to present facts in a monotone way at all, because there's always going to be some sort of bias. And doing so in a monotone way would be sort of, I think, a disservice, <laughs> because at that point, I would say you're overcorrecting. Right? Okay, but consider nature documentaries. I'd say nature documentaries are pretty exciting, and oftentimes they do show a, like a hero and villain yeah, and but, in any moment. Oh, okay, yeah, that's true. That's true. Like Good the point. the bunny's being chased by a fox, and if you're watching the fox first, you're rooting for the fox. But then if you're watching the bunny first, you're rooting for the bunny. Hmm. Good point. Good point. <laughs> but is there any nuance there? nature the circle of life is the nuance there. that's okay it, it's the fact that sometimes you root for the fox and sometimes you root for the bunny uh, okay sure uh, sure well, yeah. <laughs> welcome back Erin. thank you it's exciting to be here <laughs> um so to start you off have you watched any biopics recently no okay have you heard any controversies surrounding any biopics? I know Elvis came out recently, and there was also one about Marilyn Monroe. In the past few years, there was also Bohemian Rhapsody, or like other ones. Mm-mm. 
I mean, I've heard of I've heard of the controversies, but I haven't watched them, so I'm not sure what I could say. Okay. Make something up. <laughs> well, I mean, just from the little snippets I've caught of your conversation, my initial thought is pretty in line with what Hope was saying about I don't think you can present much of anything without some biases or I mean even internalized stereotypes and things of that nature and I think that that's partially a function of identity and it's partially a function of language to move on to another question for both of you so did you guys hear about the scandal where Kim Kardashian wore Marilyn Monroe's dress we're really jumping all over the place aren't we (laughs) excuse me did you hear about that I think I did. Oh, Aaron? No, go, please. No, no, that, that was it. I think I did. I also think I did. Okay. <laughs> Wait, was it? Okay, I, yeah, yeah, okay, I, I remember. So she, the controversy is that she wore, like, Marilyn Monroe's dress, the one that she wore. not oh, The actual dress. Yeah, the yeah. actual dress that she wore. Not that That's it right. was just, like, a, re- a replica of it. Like, she wore the, that dress. Yeah, and at that point, the fabric had hardened because it was a dress from, like, the 60s. And so there was a lot of damage to the garment after she wore it. And she only wore it for, like, two minutes to walk down a red carpet and then changed into a replica. Um, And she also starved herself for, like, two weeks in order to fit into it at all. And I was just going to see if you guys have any reactions to her doing that. Because this was something that a lot of people were very angry about. But any thoughts? Erin, you go first. Well, I'm thinking. Okay, should I go uh, first? Yeah, yeah, please go first. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, I think our society puts too much value on material objects. Like, I understand the cultural and historical significance of items but I'm also curious if we actually benefit in a significant way from having them. And I, I, I want to separate like objects from art. I think art is, is great. <laughs> I love art. Great art. Great. <laughs> but, but like, if you go to a museum, like I'm always bored when I go to a museum with objects in it or just like, like the when they make the replicas of like cavemen or whatever like that's that's boring to me because i don't i'm not gaining anything more than i could have just by like watching a video about it or reading it from a textbook and maybe i'm missing something here so i i i, I welcome any like critique but i just like so for objects Yes, it's cool that we still have Marilyn Monroe's original dress. But why are we keeping this woman's clothes who's been dead for decades? Those are my thoughts. Yeah. I I have mixed feelings about this because I I mean, I'm my initial thoughts are just thinking about what we value and why we value it and how that changes over time and how something can be historically significant but then have social ramifications in the context of today's society and I think 
And when it comes to something like this, in my opinion, it really depends on what like the artifact itself is and maybe the cultural and historical significance that it has. So I don't know the significance of Marilyn Monroe's dress in this particular context, but I think I can think of examples that would be more reprehensible to, I guess, put in a situation where they could not only be damaged, but taken out of context. And I don't think that this is an example of that, but thinking about really important cultural artifacts and um, aspects of those cultures being appropriated and sometimes the artifacts themselves being taken by other cultures and put in a different context, that's something that I, I would see as reprehensible, but I don't know if this is an example of that. Okay, that's good to know. My next question is, do you think, I know both of you said that to a degree, this wasn't very reprehensible. And I would also agree with that. I don't think it was as big a deal as it was blown up to be. But I would ask, since like it was owned by Marilyn Monroe, did we owe it to her to not give it to Kim Kardashian? Or did we even owe it to her to not put it on display in some museum? Do you have Can any you thoughts on that? provide slightly more context? So did Kim Kardashian buy the dress or what was... She was loaned it by a museum, okay. um, which had it on display. And I think she wanted it because she was comparing herself to Marilyn Monroe or something. I don't really remember all the context. And I just remember people saying it got damaged after she wore it. And so for a lot of people, it caused a lot of controversy. I think especially because Marilyn Monroe has been viewed as a celebrity who was very exploited in her life as well as afterwards. So a lot of people were like, why can't we just leave Marilyn Monroe's stuff alone? Like, why are we still messing with this girl even after she's been dead for decades? And I think that's what hit home for a lot of people. Um, and also a lot of people just don't like Kim Kardashian and they were like, how could she ever compare herself to Marilyn Monroe, et cetera, et cetera. People who were concerned about fashion were like, this is a piece of fashion history. You don't understand how garments degrade that quickly. Like this should never have been done by a museum. It's like it broke the integrity of the museum. And so there were a lot of different arguments, but very few people defended the decision. And so I want to look at it from the point of view of did we owe anything to Marilyn Monroe in this situation? And if not, that's fine. You can say that. <laughs> I mean, again, I think that the value of an object is context specific. And so I don't know if, like, if I did have a problem with the use and dam subsequent damaging of this dress, I don't know if it would be because I think it's like tarnishing Marilyn Monroe's legacy or something like that. Because I don't know if the way that people treat the objects that survive us is necessarily indicative of like some sort of honoring of us. I think there are contexts in which that is the case. And I think it, it depends on what the object is and it depends on its cultural significance or maybe on its significance to the person. Like if this was a dress that 
was her prized possession and her it was passed down through generations and every night before she went to bed she looked at it and like stroked it i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i think she wore it to a dinner with jfk i think that's what it was okay well in that case like i think if it's significant to the person then maybe our treatment of the object is somewhat indicative of our respect for that person. But I don't think that's always the case. And I think it really depends on both the relationship between the object and the person and also the cultural significance surrounding the object. I think this kind of ties to questions of ownership. So like the first thing I thought of when you asked is was like, Egyptian pharaohs taking stuff with them to the afterlife, right? But I don't think that most people believe that their objects will go with them these days. And so in that sense, I come from a perspective where it's like, everything's gonna degrade in, you know, a few hundred thousand years, right? And none of us are going to be here. None of our stuff is going to be here. Our legacy won't matter. So in that context, it doesn't matter on the large scale what we do with the stress right but i think the question for me then is do we really do we believe that this dress still believes to marilyn monroe or does it now belong to the museum or like who has the rights and ownership over this object and if we think somehow it still does belong to Monroe herself, then I guess we should, like, we do have some obligation to respect her wishes, whatever they may be. But since we don't have that information, I feel like it's not that big an issue. But I am wondering if, like, like how this, how this affects our views of respecting the dead's wishes. Because like after they die, you, they, there's no accountability, right? For if you follow through with what they wanted or not. And I, I like, I don't, I don't know if there's any reason either way. Like if we should or shouldn't, other than our respect for them. It might and, depend on their wish. Yeah. Okay. Here's a hot take <laughs> that I'll hear. I can someone explain to me other than the possible exposure of pathogens, why it's morally wrong to dig up someone's grave. (laughs) I think the part of it is that there's an assumption that the respect for the person that we have and their human dignity persists after they die. So like, I, I feel like there's a difference between digging up someone's grave two years after they were buried and digging up someone's grave a couple hundred years after they were buried. Not to say that the latter isn't also sometimes potentially reprehensible, um, because I think it can be. And I also think that um, it, it depends on a lot of different factors in terms of, again, cultural significance, but also like, I don't know. Because I I say that maybe time is what matters then when we have some distance between our understanding of them and their personhood. But then again, you consider cases in which graves have been dug up and people exposed and put on display and put in museums and their bodies physically put in museums on display. And I think that 
in that case, that still is in a sense, an undermining of their humanity. And I think that's why we find it morally reprehensible. Yeah, I think another aspect of it that wasn't touched on is that a lot of times in religion, like people are meant to stay buried and to have their graves respected in like in not being dug up. And so the other aspect of it, I think, is often religious also especially like some religions like people have to be buried within a certain time span or need to be buried in very specific ways and so I think that's the other thing that can upset a lot of people because it can have implications for their afterlife yeah if they believe in one this discussion has reminded me that Jeremy Bentham's body is just on display at his severed head wasn't it his whole body no I think initially it was his whole body. I, I don't know if his whole body's still there, but his severed head is definitely there. It's at, is it at Oxford or is it? No, I think it's UCL. Okay. Well, see, looking... well yeah, like, even beyond that, some people's bodies are just kept in boxes in the basements of museums and aren't even displayed. So like, but like in this case, Bentham specifically requested that his body be donated to the school and put on display, right? And so I'm wondering if we would still consider it disrespectful to be like, hey, man, your corpse has really degraded and it's really scary at this point. Like, we're just going <laughs> to we're just going to put it back in the ground, you know, like and he would he would his spirit be like, nah, I still want to be on display. What are you guys doing? You know, like that's a very exceptional case where instead of wanting to be put in the ground, he wants to be on display. So are we still like are we still would we be in the right if we now chose to disrespect his wishes and which we did so according to the ucl website they decided not to display it i don't know if it was once on display i think now it's a wax head that's on display and his real head is kept under lock and key which goes against his wishes okay <laughs> well like i feel like yeah so then the question is do we think that's wrong <laughs> Well, I think they were trying to protect his body from being stolen if it was on display by putting the wax head there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I guess it's disrespecting the wish in an effort to like preserve it to some degree. To bring us back um, a bit. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> give me a second. I did not write questions in advance. Um, you didn't anticipate us getting all the way to Jeremy Bentham's severed head? I didn't know who Jeremy Bentham was until I just Googled it. So, <laughs> no. Um, anyways, when we're considering someone's legacy, if they haven't left us wishes behind, do we need to make an effort to preserve a person's legacy after they pass away? I feel like if it's a true legacy, it will naturally last for a while but then i feel like it's just the decision and prerogative of people who are still alive if they want to you know ex extend or create a legacy for someone who's passed away i don't know if there are any morals to that i feel like there probably are but like theoretically we could just make up anything about anyone and spread it on the internet and then they're their name recognition will 
last for quite a while, right? Okay, but does a legacy have to be truthful? No, I don't think I don't think many legacies are truthful. Yeah, I think it depends on what their legacy is, because I mean, as you were saying, when it came to the severed head, because I do think it relates to this, not acknowledging someone's wishes could make sense if their wishes are problematic. If someone's dying wish is for you to carry on their legacy by murdering all of the people, that doesn't seem like a legacy we would want to maintain or feel obligated to maintain. And obviously that's an extreme example. But I mean, even people who don't have in entirely problematic histories say that they have some problematic aspects of their life what part do you choose to be their legacy? Do you choose the best part? Do you choose the part of them that was striving for equality among people? Or do you choose the part that was doing something morally reprehensible? And I mean, obviously, I think we would want to say preserve the good part, but in some ways, not acknowledging the bad, I think, does a disservice to our posterity. I think it's interesting that as it is now in our, I don't know if it's culture or society, but it seems like when a person is alive and they do something wrong, that wrong defines their entire existence, I guess. <laughs> like we, like then we follow by canceling them, etc. But then when, if a person's dead and we celebrate their successes, because I guess the most recent example of this, there was the, famous reporter barbara something <laughs> who who passed away recently and they were celebrating her on all of the media the news media uh barbara walters barbara walters yes they were celebrating her legacy and career on all of the news media sites over new years but on other parts of the internet people were uh there was one clip of her uh disparaging a a guy for coming out about being sexually assaulted and she was saying she she made the comment that you're ruining you're damaging the image of an entire industry is was her response to this guy coming out about being sexually assaulted um and raising awareness so like i it like our if if that hadn't happened the only thing that'd be on the news would be the preservation of her legacy as a good, um, as a good reporter, as a good journalist, et cetera, as a good interviewer. Right. But then it's because people made the extra effort to be like, Oh no, not everything was good about her is that we have this more nuanced view. And so I feel like that's only a more recent trend because especially for celebrities, the public only has so much information usually about their successes or their abysmal failures, right? Not, mm -hmm. not the middle ground where, you know, maybe they were a celebrated uh, hobbyist painter or something like that, something unrelated to their actual profession. Um, right. Like it's I only mean, a more recent trend that we- That, that might we be a problematic want. example. <laughs> no, I didn't, I wasn't, that wasn't my intention. Um, <laughs> It's only more recently that I think people and society and the internet want a more holistic view of people after they pass away. 
Whereas traditionally, we've either fully celebrated or fully disparaged uh, individuals with that pedigree. Yeah, it's like, can both things be true? Can we hold both? Yeah, I feel like that brings us to a good point in the conversation. And I'm not just saying this because I don't have any other questions. (laughs) Um, So, Erin, what did you think the topic was? I think it had something to do with legacy and how we view and memorialize history and people and people's lives and the things that matter to them and to us as a whole. Yeah, so the topic was originally, what do we owe celebrities after they die and their legacies? Oh. So I was, in the beginning, we talked a lot about biopics, but then you said you hadn't watched any. So I was like, okay, we'll just try and talk about other things. Um, because I, I I watched Elvis the other day and I was just thinking about how he's portrayed in that and it doesn't always show the bad sides of things and kind of glosses over them um and even in the biopic it seems like his narrative's taken away from him because tom hanks character colonel parker is almost showcased more than elvis and i feel like that's a flaw that a lot of biopics fall into that they over glorify and don't show nuanced people which uh, celebrities often are and so i would agree with your viewpoint before that you can't just show the good or the bad you kind of have to try and provide both sides but obviously I understand why that's hard and that's why when you came in we were talking about nuance (laughs) in documentaries which was a little off topic but any final thoughts from either of you I think that the most nuanced view would show the mundane, boring, middle ground life of people. And that is never going to be put into biopics or documentaries. It's not sensational. Yeah. It's I've great learned... for historians, though. <laughs> That's true. I've learned that I need to make more time to watch more films. Er- so that er- next time Hope asks me a question, <laughs> I can answer it. Sorry, I watched six films in the past two days, so it, it's just different lives, you know. Erin, you're you're overcommitted as it is. You don't need to you don't need to make space for this. I read biographies. Do you want to talk about those? <laughs> well, thank you both for being here for my episode. I came up with this topic as I was driving to lunch with a friend um, because I forgot this was happening today. <laughs> So, thank you so much. Erin, do you have anything you'd like to uh, plug at the very end? Or any any pleas to employers or institutions? <laughs> um, nope. That's okay. Thank you. Thank you for your time. I'm happy to be here. I hope I could contribute something. You did. <laughs> Well, that's coming in without context. (laughs) Join us next week if there is one. Bye.